0: Thank okay. you. Pistons fans, welcome to our second edition of Palace of Pistons podcast here on iTunes. My name is your host, Brendan Johnson. I'm joined today by the man, the myth, the legend, Aaron Johnson. You all know him. And for the second time here on iTunes, Ryan Pay joins the crew. Guys, welcome. We got a lot to talk about, but just everybody doing well this fine afternoon. Yeah, no, we're doing good. And uh, Brendan stepping in here for Mike Angliano, having some
1: technical difficulties and stepping in to host this is your first time on the podcast so welcome welcome to the show
0: you know first time hosting the podcast a long time ago Aaron and I used to talk Pistons and you know maybe gave some points that nowadays are coming into fruition but we'll leave that in the past I'm excited to be hosting here guys it should be an absolutely fantastic show and you know what I'm gonna do the best I can to fill in the shoes of Mike let's get right into it though Ryan I'm gonna turn this your way Let's do it, Brendan. Let's do it. Kawhi Leonard gets traded to the Toronto Raptors from San Antonio. A huge shakeup in the Eastern Conference. Because the past, or looking at last year, right? The Eastern Conference was Cleveland, Toronto, Boston, Philadelphia. LeBron leaves to go to L.A. So now you're thinking Cleveland might be out of the mix in terms of the top contenders. Now there's Toronto, Boston, Philly. But Toronto, after getting rid of Dwayne Casey and not making a ton of moves, seemed to kind of be hanging in the balance. And all of a sudden, they make
2: a move for Kawhi Leonard. Just talk about how this impacts our friends to the North. Oh, Brendan, what a change to landscape in the Eastern Conference. I was ready to write off Toronto so fast. Once Dwayne Casey was gone, this whole offseason just kind of seemed meh for Toronto. Uh, and then all of a sudden, boom, here comes Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green complete change. I thought this was just a Boston, Philly, Eastern Conference. They'll duke it out next year to see who goes to the finals. Uh Uh-uh. Not anymore. Here comes Toronto. Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry, they needed that change. Toronto was so stagnant and a great regular season team died in the uh, uh, postseason. Kawhi Leonard changes all of that for them.
1: Yeah, I think well, Toronto was able to get over the first big hump with Kawhi Leonard reporting to the team. And that happened a few days ago. So now he is in Toronto. He met with Masai Ujiri, the general manager there. So they they got him to go to Toronto, which I think is the biggest was the biggest hump in the road to get Kawhi in a Raptors jersey. I think they got through that first big hump. And assuming that they're able to get through the rest of like actually getting him to play, this move completely alters the Eastern Conference. I think this went from Boston being the clear cut best best team in the east with maybe filling be able to philly being able to challenge them a little bit but still not there yet especially with some of the offseason moves that have happened to them with losing air Leo losing marco bellinelli Nemanja bielitsa signing there and then not signing there and like just ending up with the kings like just a really weird move but they were supposed to get him and he decided not to sign there so they had cap space put into him And he was going to play a pretty big role there as a a combo forward that can defend and really stretch the floor. They lose him, so they're pretty thin at that power forward spot. And you remember last year that they were a pretty average ball club before Arison Eliasova and Marco Bellinelli joined the team. As as crazy as that sounds, they were about 500 before they joined the team. And then once they did, everything just kind of put itself together there, but they're still not there yet. They're not going to be as good as Boston, and now they're not as good as Toronto. Kawhi Kawhi Leonard, when healthy, is a top 3-5 to player in the NBA. He's an MVP candidate, and he's the best defensive player in the league. I don't think that's really much of a question. He completely changes the, the way the Toronto Raptors will play. He becomes the primary option on a team that last year was led by DeMar DeRozan, a very Iso- isolation-heavy style of player that took a lot of mid-range jump shots, could not stretch the floor because he wasn't an efficient enough three-point shooter, and defensively was a train wreck. That was his biggest biggest question mark, uh, his biggest deficiency was he was not a good enough defender, and he still wasn't shooting the three-ball enough. Kawhi Leonard is a great three-point shooter, and again, the best defensive
0: player in the league. That completely changes the Toronto Raptors' outlook. So, the question becomes: You kind of touched on it, Aaron. You said that Boston and Philly are still above Toronto. Where does no, this... no, 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 not no? Philly. Toronto's
1: Toronto is above Philly. Okay, Boston. It goes Boston, Toronto, Philly. That's in your
2: opinion. Yeah. Now, how do you see that, Ryan? I agree with him. I think uh, I think Toronto's a lot closer to Boston than maybe Aaron thinks with this, but I do agree it's Boston, Toronto, and a distant third to me also is Philly. So now, how does this
0: affect? The Pistons. Because the Pistons, A, we're looking at going all in. You have Blake Griffin coming back. You hope to get a healthy Reggie Jackson. We'll talk about some stuff with Andre Drummond. Well, exactly, right? But the Pistons are all in. Tom Gores has made that very clear. He hired Dwayne Casey, a win-now coach hire. To see Toronto add a Kawhi Leonard, does that take the Pistons out of any consideration of being able to contend in the East? I don't think that Detroit was ever really in contention for making the Eastern Conference Finals or anything
1: like that. Um, But this Detroit team is really in that tier right after. So you have your top three teams, the teams we mentioned, Toronto, Boston, and Philly. And then there's your Milwaukee's, your Indiana's, your Detroit's, and then you have a team like Washington. We don't really know what they're going to be. John Wall's healthy this year. That should help them be better than what they were last year. But you had a couple different kind of um egos in Dwight Howard and Austin Rivers and then you have Miami who I think every year is bound to miss the playoffs but they somehow get in because Eric's Spolstra is just an amazing coach uh, you have Charlotte that's going to be trying to get into the playoffs but I think Detroit's in that tier and maybe you could slide Washington up into that tier with Detroit of they're a playoff team but they're not as good as the best teams in the Eastern Conference so unless Detroit is, is firing on all cylinders. They're not as good as any of those top three teams in the East, and Detroit, in that respect, is going to be battling for, you know, the four seed. They're going to be battling for home
2: court advantage, but... The four seed's all dependent on if Detroit even stays healthy. This is a roster where your main players have injury concerns. Oh, yeah. No, I know,
1: but if Detroit hits their peak that this season...
2: We are hope That's... We're hoping for that. Yeah.
1: That's... If they hit I, like, their, you're feet, putting them in that seat. second
2: tier. I don't honestly, I don't think we can put them in that second tier.
1: I think when you look at the additions Detroit made, staff-wise, Dwayne Casey, a coach of the year, led Toronto to the top seed in the Eastern Conference.
2: It's nothing against Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey's a fantastic coach. I think injury concerns are going to be a problem. I think Reggie Jackson. I've never been a Reggie Jackson fan. I know they were a better team last year with him, but you know this, Aaron. I've never been a Reggie fan, and he at the end of games becomes too selfish. Well, in general, as a player, he's too selfish. Well, he doesn't facilitate as much as he needs to. The way I
1: see it, I look at the team's record when Reggie Jackson plays. There are there are fifty win there are fifty plus win ball club when Reggie Jackson plays. And when they had Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond alongside him, that team is even better.
2: You're willing to go fifty plus wins with Reggie Jackson, this team.
1: Statistically, that's what they've always been when Reggie's been playing. Last year they were they were one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference before Reggie went down. Record-wise. Now, overall, are they one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, top three, top four seed? Probably not. But I think Detroit has a good enough team and a
0: good enough coaching staff to where they can compete for that four spot. Well, i got to make one point before we get into our last little segment here revolving this uh, Kawhi trade. There's one thing that's a common factor for the Pistons being in the playoffs. It's not Reggie Jackson. It's not Andre Drummond. It's not... Uh, Any of your new guys from Summer League, it's not Blake Griffin. Don't forget, it's not Blake Griffin, it's Steve Blake who had the Pistons in the playoffs. And those of you that have followed the Palace of Pistons podcast, you know about Aaron's former rants about Steve Blake. If you haven't heard those, that is something I encourage you to dig up in the archives because Aaron, his blood's boiling. I'm telling you, you I see think, his face? I think his he got red is and it's so red right now. I oh think, my goodness. He's just sit here laughing. He's going, Brendan, why are you hosting it? You're never going to get to guest host again because you just brought up Steve Blake on the Palace of Pistons podcast. I think he got... I Played off the floor in, like, Australia. Wherever he went after the NBA, it was either Australia
1: or China. I think he was out of that league in, like, months. Like, I don't, I haven't heard about him since. After they said Steve Blake was going to this country to play basketball, it's just like, thank God he's out of the NBA. I never want to see him again.
0: And I haven't heard about him since. Like, he probably got played off the floor, dribbling the ball off his goddamn foot. Well, I would say it's more likely that Steve Blake left everything he had on the floor in the playoffs versus Stop. the Cavaliers. Stop. He left the ball on the floor. He left the ball on the floor. Okay, we're going to move on. But I'm telling you, Steve Blake Pistons, they made the playoffs last time since what? 08? Just putting that out there. Anyways, moving on. Talking about loyalty in the NBA. Does this Kawhi Leonard trade affirm that there is no loyalty? Because, you know, you used to see guys, and this is a while back, play for one team their whole career. But you look at this offseason, right? Tony Parker going to Charlotte. And you have Kawhi get traded and um, you know leave a team that he was set to take over as his and had been his, but officially with that era of Parker, Tim Duncan, fully coming to a close, really would have been Kawhi's era in San Antonio. But he wanted out. And unless if Toronto pulls off a miracle, he's going to want out of Toronto. He might be gone as soon as the deadline. Do NBA players have no loyalty to the teams they're drafted by and the teams they get signed by anymore, with just hopes of a greater destination? I think that there's no lo- no loyalty on either side because look at it from
1: Demar Derozan's perspective. He's a guy that re-upped with Toronto after everyone thought he was going to LA. You know, everyone thought he was gone, and he re-upped and he said, "I'm here." You remember that tweet he put out? early on in his career, and it's Toronto, I got you, or something to that effect. You know, he was Toronto's son in that nature. He was their guy. And he had put everything in his career into the Toronto Raptors. And he was, you know, he was respected more than anyone in that roster, anyone in that franchise. Some were, some say he's the best Toronto Raptor ever. And for them to go away and trade him, after, telling, after reportedly telling him that he was not going to get traded... It shows that there's never been loyalty from the team side or player side. And in reality, I don't think that really matters. It's a business. And if players want the ability to go out in free agency and sign where they want to sign, then teams should have the ability to trade a guy wherever they want to trade him because in the end it's a business to win more ball games and that's what teams are trying to do and most of the time that's what players want to do when they leave they're trying to go to a team that's going to put them in a better position to win or for some other reason financially um, out of basketball wise but it's their life they should have the 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 freedom to be able to do that just as teams should have the freedom to make a trade
2: boys it's about dollars and cents and self-preservation a team is going to do what they need to do to make the most money they can Uh, Trading DeMar DeRozan, no matter how much they told him they loved him and how they promised him he was going to be a Toronto Raptor for life, just made sense for them in terms of winning. We see how they were so stagnant after doing great in the regular season and then getting to the playoffs and fizzling out. They needed to make a change. What was that change? Bringing in Kawhi Leonard. And what's that going to do? Probably help them win more. And what's that going to do? Help their bottom line. We'll take a look at it in, in Detroit's standpoint. The guy that they just—they're—they're they're a superstar
1: in this sense. Blake Griffin was told last off season that you're going to retire a Clipper. You're going to be a Hall of Famer here with the Clippers. They did you're a our freaking
2: guy. jersey retire ceremony for him.
1: Yeah, they—they they, they literally traded him. They laid it all out for him, and Blake Griffin's like, "Hell yeah, I'm in on this. Resign." Six months later, he gets shipped to Detroit. Pretty big difference. And again displays there's no loyalty on the team side just as much as Kawhi Leonard wanting out of San Antonio shows there's no loyalty on the player side. If you
2: want an even if you want another example that's some closer home which is a little further back in 08 when the Pistons traded Chauncey Billups. Joe Dumar's centerpiece of everything were Ben Wallace and Chauncey Billups and then he went and traded Billups for Iverson that just shows right there right there we never thought Chauncey we thought Chauncey Billups was here to stay that's a piston for life. Gone. I mean, as soon as Joe Dumars could get his hands on Iverson, which he thought was going to help the team. See you later, Chauncey Billups. There's no loyalty. There doesn't need to be. It's a business, fellas. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know, you just wonder
0: what's going to be that next instance that people talk about, whether it be close to home or away. But I got to tell you, real quick, just to touch on this, I love what San Antonio did. That's that's an organization that handled this. I think the best way you could. They knew they had to move him, and they knew Kawhi wanted to go to LA. But do you really think that Popovich and the Spurs are going to help out the Lakers? No, gonna this help is a out. first-rate
2: organization.
0: Exactly. They're not going to help out LeBron. They're not going to help out a team in their conference. They're not going to, you know, wait for and take a weaker deal from LA to appease to Kawhi. They move him as far from L.A. in the league that you possibly could. You send them out of this country, right? (laughs) But I think it was the smartest move because look, look at the Spurs last year. No Kawhi Leonard, and that's a playoff team. DeMar DeRozan is an upgrade over Danny Green. The Spurs actually got a little better in that trade and now can ride out this Popovich, LaMarcus Aldridge... DeMar DeRozan now era, maybe even make a move for one more big player, have a three year window to compete, and then you start to blow it up. Well, they're better in the sense of
1: Kawhi not playing last year, now having a an all star level player and DeMar DeRozan playing. Kawhi Leonard is still the better player, and is still the, a, a more of a franchise piece than a DeMar DeRozan player is. Right. But I get what you're saying in that sense of actually having a an all star level player playing games. But, and I think that also goes to the point of what, what you were saying with San Antonio moving Kawhi Leonard out of Toronto and not appeasing a team like the Lakers. Again, it shows. It's a business. They shouldn't have to appease Kawhi Leonard in that sense. They should be able to move him wherever they want for the best package that they feel is going to help their team in the way that they want him to help. they're
2: they're not here for what's best for Kawhi they're here for what's best for the San Antonio Spurs mm -hmm. and what was best for the San Antonio Spurs was not shipping him to LA it was shipping him to Toronto out of the conference get rid of Kawhi Leonard we don't have to worry about him this year as much we'll see him two times that's it we don't have to worry about him in the playoffs unless we meet in the finals that's it
1: and I'll say this quickly before we move on because we're going to have our our conference and divisional breakdowns um, in the coming weeks and in the coming months before the season begins but You did mention, Brendan, that San Antonio becomes a better team, and I agree with you, but with that being said, they're not a lot to make the playoffs, because you look at the moves that the Western Conference made this offseason, and it's astronomical. There's probably 13 13 to 14 playoff teams, contenders at least, in the West, and it's maybe 8 or 9 in the East. So, yes, San Antonio got better, but they're not allowed to make the playoffs with DeMar DeRozan or without him. This is still a team that is is very much, I would say, on the outside looking in compared to the other teams in the Western Conference. But we can save that for a later time. I just wanted to throw
0: that out there. Over-under, Kawhi Leonard games played. Set the number at 51. Over or under,
2: how many games does Kawhi play this season? Oh man, that's a good one, Brandon. Uh, I'll go. I'll take the over. You know what? I'll put. I'll put my faith in Kawhi Leonard this time. I uh, when the trade initially happened, I was sitting there thinking, man, he he doesn't want to be in Toronto. He's not going to play these games. Uh, he's going to do the bare minimum to get by. But you know what? I think. Uh, I think he's going to go all in for his one season. I'll put on the over. You talk about
1: selling a player on a city, on a franchise, on a team. Paul George and the Oklahoma City Thunder went through that similar thing last year when Paul George got traded and when everyone thought he was going to be a Laker. And Paul George just re-upped on a four-year deal to stay in Oklahoma City. Masai Ujiri is a great GM for the team, for the franchise, in a sense of building a roster and building a a relationship with players. I mean, look at the relationship him and DeMar DeRozan had. And, And the same thing he has with Kyle Lowry. Those are his guys. And he's going to be able to do that same thing with Kawhi Leonard, I think. I think Leonard's going to definitely play over 51 games because the Raptors are going to be, are going to be a, a contender in the Eastern Conference, as we talked about. And if Kawhi Leonard still doesn't want to be a Raptor next year, that's fine. But if he doesn't want to miss out on like $100 million compared to like what he can get find the contracts he can sign with teams... He's gonna re- he's going he's gonna play these games. Because Toronto has the ability to find him and he's gonna lose money on contracts that he signs with teams. So this is this is again, it's a business, it's all about that money. And with a team like Toronto as talented as they are, and with Kawhi already reporting, I thought it might have taken some more time. Like this is this is gonna happen.
2: It's I said I know this is more of a topic for next offseason, but it's it's LeBron in the LA lifestyle versus Ujiri in Toronto. Sure, Kawhi's gonna. I know. I believe Kawhi's gonna play his heart out this season in Toronto. He's gonna play over the fifty-one games. And yes, Ujiri's great at forming these bonds with his players. But it's LeBron versus Ujiri, and you don't you don't think LeBron's gonna have more pull than that? Well, you know what? Let's start talking. About the Las Vegas lifestyle. And
0: no, we're not talking about the casinos. We're talking about NBA Summer League. Your Detroit Pistons went three and three in summer league play and got bounced by the LA Lakers and was a game to forget for the Detroit Pistons. But three and three in summer league play, and we gotta highlight a couple of these guys. First and foremost, Kyrie Thomas, Bruce Brown, Henry Ellison. Those are the guys to talk about. Obviously, Thomas and Brown, the Pistons draft picks from the draft just a few weeks ago. Aaron, what's the analysis? What was your opinion on the performance that those two gave on the floor? Seemed like they were a couple of the anchors of this 3-3 three and three Summer League team. Well, I think I want to hit on
1: Henry Ellenson last for listening purposes. But let's go and talk about Kyrie Thomas, who had the most efficient Summer League out of these three guys averaged almost 10 points per game on 45% shooting from the three-point line 40% shooting from the field the guy showed exactly the type of skill set Detroit's gonna want to see him play with and it's he's a defensive hound there was a clip that I posted on Twitter of him and Bruce Brown uh, playing some defense they came away with a steal and scored in transition and it was just like that's exactly what you want out of both of these guys but Kyrie Thomas a former defensive player of the year uh, in college He showed that. He showed his defensive intangibles. He showed his defensive intensity in summer league. He showed on offense that he was the super efficient shooter that he was in college. And those are great things that Detroit needs to see out of Thomas. I want to save the uh, Bruce Brown talk here, but Detroit, you wanted to see Detroit hit a home run with one of these picks. And I think going into summer league, it was Kyrie Thomas can be that home run pick. You look at what he did in college. You look at... Just the skills that he showed and it was like you give this guy some NBA development time and like this guy could be legit. but Bruce Brown really looks like the home run pick and Ryan, I'll let you talk about him for a minute because I know you saw more, way more of him than you did of Kyrie Thomas who was limited in gameplay, but uh, Bruce Brown just was really impressed
2: with the way he played. Oh absolutely the, from what I like I said last week, I didn't see a ton of summer League this year, uh, not nearly as much as I wanted to, but definitely caught my definitely what caught my eye was Bruce Brown. He uh, averaged 11.8 a game, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh, the shooting was at 28.8%. Uh, could have been better. But that looks like a guy that if if and when the injury bug occurs to the Detroit Pistons this year, as it does to every team, he's a guy who might be able to slide in and give you some minutes to fill in. I loved his intensity. Uh, his defensive. He was a prowl on the defensive end. Um, of course, he needs to improve that shooting. But that's a guy that could really fill in uh, if they need to when the injury bug curse.
1: And I think one thing that stands out about him is the positional versatility he possesses. Oh, absolutely. He can play 1-4. 1-4. to, one four. Four. One to four. He played that in Summer League. We saw him play point guard with him on offense, leading the offense, and we saw on defense he was getting matched up against uh, Keita Bates-Diop, who played for the Timberwolves. He's a Timberwolves draftee. He's going to play some power forward there. Um, he's guarded 1-4 to four in Summer League, and that's huge because what is the NBA nowadays? It's positional versatility. Play. It's positionless play. It's being able to play three, to three, three positions. And Bruce Brown can play three. And, I mean, I don't want to see him playing a lot of minutes of power forward. I would never condone that. For no, no, at six no, five. no. But, no. worst case scenario, I mean, he has the defensive mindset, the defensive tools to where he can compete on that side of the ball. And, offensively, he could, have, he could be a... a a nightmare for Forrest with his speed his ability to get to the basket and if he develops that shooting which the percentages aren't good but early on in summer league he was shooting the ball well and I think that fatigue of having to play day after day and practice in between kind of got him in that sense but Bruce Brown really highlighted summer league for Detroit.
0: You know Bruce Brown could maybe be your power forward in the Detroit Pistons death lineup you know like the Lakers talked about with LeBron at center. <laughs> Bruce Brown your six five power forward but you know what we gotta talk about your favorite point forward. Oh, let's do it. Good times. Ryan, who's your favorite point forward in the I NBA? I love
2: Henry Ellenson. Oh, I love Henry you? Ellenson.
0: Henry Ellenson. I'm going to give you some quick stats from Summer League. Right? This guy, on 16.2 attempts per game, 29.9% from the field. 15 points, 7 boards, and his 3-point percentage, 167 on seven attempts per game. Gentlemen, that 15-7 and lies to you. Because he was kind of split. He had a couple of games where he got over 20, and he looked like he could play a little ball. And a couple of games where he was better off, not on the floor, just to be factual about it. But Henry Ellenson, moving into a little bit of a point-forward role, you see in Summer League something that's new to him. And mixed results, something that started real slow, but actually did pick up in the final few games of Summer League. Look, I'm not going to get as riled up as I did last week on the podcast. No, bring
2: the fire, Aaron. Bring we, the fire. When we
1: talked about Henry Ellinson, um, Because in reality, the way he finished Summer League was much better than the way he started it. Henry Ellison's the guy that has the million dollar move but the 10 cent finish every time he makes a play. You saw that in every Summer League game. He'd make that nice dribble move. He'd get that crossover. He'd create that space that he is not very good at creating. And then the shot's short. Or the shot rims off the backboard. He doesn't finish what he starts. Look at those shooting percentages. 16.7% from the three-point line. 30% from the field. Oh, don't. 29.9. Round Fair. Up, don't round up for him. Six, over round. 16 <laughs> attempts per game. And he shot that bad from the field. Detroit has put so much stock into Henry Ellenson that everyone better be saying their prayers before bedtime, hoping that something clicks with him. Because right now, if I, I, I'm never going to expect John Luehr to do anything in a pissing uniform again after what happened last season. Right now, Henry Ellenson is your Blake Griffin injury insurance. And what we saw from Summer League was just an atrocity. I don't know what's going to I don't know what, what how this happens. I don't know how Detroit got into this scenario where Henry Ellison could be looking at big time minutes next year. But what he did in Summer League. Oh, okay, let's hit on this stat too. He had 3.5 assists per game in Summer League. It's like, hey, that's pretty good for that guy playing that point forward role. Average 3.8 turnovers per game. Okay. So that's point forward thing in Summer League against talent that's nowhere near what he's going to play in the NBA and it still didn't work.
0: This is really scary. I have an answer to your prayers. Maybe. But I've got something that can make you feel better here at the end of the podcast. Reports have come out that Andre Drummond and Henry Ellenson have been doing special training and work with Kevin Garnett. And you have to hope that a Hall of Famer, NBA champion, and Kevin Garnett can help both of these guys develop their game. For Henry Ellenson, maybe helps them develop more of that mid-range, that you know, fadeaway shot. For Andre Drummond, it's just any way to put the ball in the bucket that isn't a garbage putback. So, really interesting note to see KG working out with Drummond and Ellenson.
2: Well, first things first. Aaron, you just called Henry Ellenson the insurance policy for Blake Griffin getting injured, and my heart sank all the way to the floor. If and when Blake Griffin gets hurt, the team's done. It's over. Because you're you're throwing Henry Allenson into the lineup now. Starter minutes, pretty much. You get out of town.
0: God, it's sad that I already have to think about this, but... That's you have like to having
2: hold. a beautiful car
0: and the absolute worst insurance policy ever. Ever.
1: It, well, I mean, it, like I said, it's sad that I have to think about this, but if Blake Griffin goes down, you just got to pray that Reggie Jackson's up. Like, you could never have... Like, the Pistons could never play a game without Reggie Jackson and Blake Griffin, and expect to win. One of those guys has to play for them to even have a possibility of winning. Because that means you're going to have Ish Smith and Jose Calderon playing point guard minutes, and Henry Ellenson and, like, I guess John Lewer, because, like, I, there's no other power forward on the <laughs> roster. And, Bruce Baum, you, did you hear us? You can play a power forward. Uh, like, those are the options Detroit has. So they need to stay. They need two of their top three guys to stay healthy, Throughout the season, for them to have a chance at doing anything,
2: and this is where KG working with Drummond is crucial for Ellinson. I'm sorry, fellas, I'm over Ellinson. Sure, having KG work with Ellinson would be great. You know, develop that mid-range, develop that finishing ability. Finishing ability. But he's got the moves, but now.
1: Maybe KG can like help him just figure out how to like finish those kind of plays. Like that's like the the best thing that could ever happen to him. Absolutely, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I I don't. I don't think, I don't think there's a, a high chance. I that. don't
2: think the ceiling's too high <laughs> either. It's about Drummond. It's about KG instilling that professional intensity into Drummond's mind. One thing Drummond's always been knocked on, and it was better last year, but was still a problem, is he's a bit mentally weak. I need KG. More than just finishing... Of course, I need them to help show him how to finish at the bucket, finish your moves, do all that stuff, put the right touch on the ball. But I need to inst- KG to instill and Kevin or Kevin Durant. Jesus. Where is my mind going? Andre Drummond. <laughs> how to be a pro. Is that how water to, in that cup right I know. What did you put in that glass? I'm you, telling baby, you. It man? was clear. I'm telling you it's Good water. Good Lord. It's water. Kevin Durant from the <laughs> clouds. Where'd that come from? Anyway, I need KG To instill that intense professional mindset into Drummond. To knock it down if he misses a couple shots in a row. To make sure he's playing defense every time down the floor. That's what I'm looking for out of KG working with Drummond. Well, you know what they say.
0: Anything is possible. In the words of Kevin Garnett. Good one. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Brendan. You're welcome. Well, guys... Phenomenal podcast today. These two are the professionals. I love being able to just sit in the middle and feed them topics. But before we wrap things up, a couple of keynotes, right? First of all, subscribe to us on on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast, Palace of Pistons. You can check out our website, palaceofpistons.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Palace of Pistons. You can follow Aaron at A. Johnson NBA. You can follow Ryan at pay that's P-A-Y-E underscore Ryan. You can follow myself, Brendan J. 97. Guys, it's been a pleasure being on the podcast with you. We will look forward to our next edition right here on the Palace of Pistons Network.